Hello, welcome back to another episode of Resilient Leaders of STEM. My name is Sadiq Hernandez. I'm an 11th grader at Jordan High School, and I'm joined by my co-host, Demon Ramos, who is a 10th grader at Animal Pet Brown. As members on Team 6904 Terawatts, we will be your hosts for today's episode. We hope to inspire younger generations to pursue STEM careers and activities. We do this by interviewing creative leaders and getting to know their perspectives on different topics on the matter. For today's episode, our two lovely guests are Karina Badia and Erica Aguilar, who are former student leaders on Team 6904 Terawatts. Please introduce yourselves. Um, hi, I'm Katarina. Um, so I am currently a rising junior at Kalamazoo College, and I'm from Watts. My major is in psychology with, an, with a minor in anthropology, sociology, and a concentration in community and global health. I originally joined the Terra Watts, and then somehow I ended up, you know, getting really into it, even though I had no initial interest in robotics. And at some point, I was the business lead, outreach lead, and president of the team. And I guess now my future career goal is kind of, you know, just focused around amplifying communities like mine to take space in systems that were inherently designed to fail us. Hi, I'm Erika Aguilar. I am a third year at Cal State LA, majoring in economics. When I, I don't remember why I joined the robotics team, but I'm glad I did. Um, my position in the robotics team was a manufacturing lead, and now my focus is trying to inspire young girls to enjoy building in robotics or anything that isn't meant for, isn't required a female lead, to be a female lead, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Thank you. Um, so the first question is, what made you want to join the robotics team, which you guys already said, right? But can you guys give a sense of what were you guys thinking when entering the first meeting? Um, personally, I didn't really have an interest in robots. Like, um, my, I guess my family is like full of like car people. So like, kind of everyone in my family knows, like, has like been working in like mechanic shop like, as soon as they could walk. But I just never really had any interest in, like, anything engineering. But I know that my friends, like, just randomly dragged me to a meeting because, you know, robotics was very new at the time and Zubera was promoting it. So they kind of just dragged me there. And then while I was there, just kind of sat down and I just really got into it. And then I do have experience in, like, more, like, outreach programming and such like that. So that's natural for me to you know just end up getting involved as to like get into the business team I really like you know learning about how how things work and like the planning of making events happen so I guess yeah that's how I got involved uh like I said I don't remember why I joined but the first time I was there I didn't know what I was doing I did a little bit of everything I did business design other things and the last thing I did was manufacturing. I didn't expect to be part of that, but surprisingly I was. And I'm glad I did manufacturing because now I'm able to do things my like who would you say my dad would wouldn't let me do? Now he would let me. So joining robotics basically made made me more independent. So that's why. Mm -hmm. And since you guys were both leaders uh, on the team, what was your experience, uh, you know, like taking charge and 
uh, part of your, I guess, your sub team? Um, I definitely think it was challenging at first because although the, this was like a very new role and like in a very like the team was still just beginning to establish themselves. So it was like it was learning how to, you know, being able to organize a team from scratch. But there was also pressure because I felt like this is the position in which I've had like the most leadership authority. So I guess it was just like the pressure of like reminding Stay focused, but also, you know, to not take things too seriously because at the end of the day, you know, it's an experiment. It's an experience for me as well as as well as it is for the rest of the members on the team. But I think overall, just be more confident in my skills as a leader. Like Catherine said, it was definitely challenging. Um, I was lucky enough to have a co-leader, so it didn't make it as stressful. So I always had to help. And when I needed something, my co-leader would always be there and always help. But it was difficult since I was the first girl manufacturing lead. They wouldn't listen to me as much, or they would. But since I had my other leader, it made things a whole lot easier than a whole lot easier than expected. I think uh, so. Since you were part of the team, uh, what helped you improve uh, your leadership skills and skills in general? Um. With my peers, I felt like that was the most difficult portion because I've done like internships and like other leadership opportunities, but I've never really had to like specifically, you know, be a leader to my peers. And, you know, I guess, I guess what it was like, I guess what I improved on was like learning how to be more clear with my peers because I think overall I'm just like a very chill person and like very nonchalant. So I just really like, especially with people that I know, it's really hard being like authoritative. But I guess eventually, I guess what did improve is that, you know, I learned how to be more authoritative and I learned how to, you know, set boundaries. So, like, they knew when I was in a in a certain position, like, to respect that role. So I think that's what improved, just, you know, being able to confidently communicate and set boundaries with people that I work with. Uh, for me, it would be I was always shy. I keep to myself. And be, I mean, still, I, I am kind of still shy. But it made me more outgoing and be able to more talk and speak up for myself and tell what I want to do and, like, basically tell others how to do things and influence others to be more outgoing as well. And then uh, last question of the segment. Uh, what was your favorite part of being on the team? Being through the team, I think I really learned how to, you know, just form relationships with my peers. And I think I, you know, I grew more passionate about my community from being on the team. Like, I remember, like, I remember when I was there, just like the team would be filled with like the random, like, you know, like the top percent of the school, like ed- academically wise. But then we'd also have kids who we'd like have to, you know, try to convince and like support them in order to like you know focus because they were struggling in classes and then we'd always have to like try to motivate them to pass but it was those same kids who were like knowing how to do all the work by themselves so I think it was just like I really just enjoyed that you know we all we all come from like different I guess roles in our school yet we all just came together just to build some robots for fun so that was my favorite part uh, my favorite part would be having a bond with everybody and trying and working together and seeing everybody struggle on the robot and growing as a team 
and getting to know everyone personally, not personally, but like close enough to like to help each other and grow along with the team. I guess moving on to the second segment, did the skills you learn in robotics help you get ready for college? I think I think it did. Um, so I go to PWI and especially, you know, coming from Watts where it's just like literally just like Latinx and black community and then going to someplace like Kalamazoo, even just from the name, you could tell that it's going to, you know, it's going to be different. And, you know, I showed up to school and, you know, everyone always talked about how my school is very diverse. And then as you show up to school and you realize that you are the diversity. So it's just like being, you know, kind of being on a team where it's just it's people who look like you. And then, like, having to go somewhere where it's, like, completely different atmosphere, I think that definitely, you know, prepared me for college because I was just able to always, you know, remind myself why I was here or anything. Because I remember at some point, uh, someone found out it was from Watts. And they were, and they're actually from East LA. And they were, like, they're from the, from the hood. And they were, like, yeah, they're, like, but Kathy's from Watts. She's from the slums. So I think just, like, Having people talk about your community like that and it just kind of it's just kind of reminded me of the team where like other people or even, you know, Watts is often portrayed in a bad light. I think just reflecting on the team and the people who are on there and its mission is that, you know, just remembering who you're here for and it's you know, it's ultimately to change the dynamics of Watts. So it definitely helped me in that sense. Uh robotics definitely helped me get ready for college. With uh robotics I'll definitely be very shy. I wouldn't be as outgoing or committed to like the pro the programs or clubs I'm in in college right now. So with the outreach, well, I did very little outreach in robotics. So with that little outreach that we did, that I did, it helped me be more outgoing and made me to speak up for myself. I guess another question would be like, did robotics influence your decisions when choosing your major in college? Yeah, so I remember um, this was 2019, I believe. I was uh, I was flown out with Zubair and Carlos to DC, you know, to advocate for STEM initiatives and like the White House and like Senate and all that. And I remember just being in the room and like everyone's just talking. And at the end of the day, like you just kind of sit back and realize that like all these white kids advocating for your community have never even stepped a foot in your community, like. The people advocating for us are the same people whose parents wouldn't even let them, you know, come into the community. So it's like have like, you know, just being firsthand experience of like that lack of representation about how at the end of the day, you know, that everyone is always struggling because, you know, this is the system wasn't built for us. So I think that definitely motivated my major because I was originally going in as political science. But I think after that experience, I kind of, I realized I didn't really want to go into politics. I kind of figured like, what's the reason of fighting so hard for a system that was not made for us? And then, so I think that's why a lot, that's why I chose my concentration in community and global health, because I feel like, you know, as the concept of like community and charity is kind of, you know, shifting to like a concept of mutual aid, where it's like people in the community working for the community so you know for the people by the people i think that's something i'm much more interested in so you know instead of political science i decided to go community global health you know to just work directly in communities and not as a politician who doesn't even live in the same state anymore for me i would say um, not really 
always had my mind on business, but I was not sure what kind of business until this year where I recently changed my major to economics. I chose economics because it was more of a broad major. And if I wanted to go into more of a STEM field, I possibly can go with that. Robotics didn't really make, made a decision of my major. I wasn't sure and now I'm more sure that I want to do in economics, but I'm still not sure if I want to go in more of a STEM field or just stay in the business, business related. Yeah. Okay. So you guys both mentioned that. So Erica, you're majoring in economics now and uh, Katarina, you are majoring in psychology with the minors of anthropology and sociology. Uh, but do you consider these as STEM careers? Um, I don't necessarily consider them. I think they can be indirectly applied to STEM careers. I wouldn't necessarily consider them STEM careers for myself, just because, you know, psychology, community, and global health, and anthropology, sociology. I think that the way these majors would, event, would like, you know, potentially help someone in STEM is if, like, you want to, for example, work in the outreach sector of STEM or, you know, just, like, management STEM. I think, you know, some people forget that STEM is kind of, like, interrelated with a lot of factors so you know that same engineering company that you're that people are like trying to apply at there's going to be people looking for project managers for assistance for outreach teams so i think it's just like i think they can be indirectly applied especially because psychology is like figuring around the way people think i think that especially when working in a stem career it could add a different point of view that just direct stem like math biology and like that they don't necessarily have the social skills to know how to apply certain certain situations that you would have with psychology i would say i wouldn't technically uh, classify economics as a stem major yes you can take economics and apply it to a stem field but i wouldn't say it would count if i were going into the business aspect of economics so i wouldn't really say economics is the STEM field. Very interesting how um, you guys both said that they're not, but I've we've did some research and apparently psychology is a core STEM discipline, which is exactly what um, Katarina you said, um, and it's directed to scientific and technology uh, technological innovations, right? And um, recently, Erica, UCLA uh, has reclassified economics and business uh, economics majors as STEM majors. So how does it feel with like new generations coming with uh, taking these uh, classes and, you know, they're considered STEM? I mean, I think it makes sense. I also feel like, you know, I think I think it could be a good thing because I feel my school currently, you know, has like psychology and like all my majors currently fall under social sciences. But I have met people who like who who like argue with me that it's directly STEM or it's like so I think I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think especially since I don't I you know, I'm a major I'm a psychology major, but I don't necessarily I don't really want to be a therapist, which most people think or like a psychologist or anything like that. Rather, I just want, you know, the psych skills to learn how to, like, apply or just learn how to work with people, especially in a community when you have different different aspects. And especially when you're trying to establish yourself in a community, you want to make sure that you're able to be strategic about, you know, how you make things or how you, like, you run things. I think just psychology just offers that. But I think it's, it's pretty interesting that, you know, 
some schools are starting to reclaim it as you know STEM majors. I say it's interesting as well. I I personally wouldn't still classify it as as STEM majors since my classes don't really aren't really, right now. My classes aren't heavily STEM related. Well, a few I am taking one class that it kind of is, but I wouldn't still classify it as it STEM as of right now. Maybe in the future I may change my mind, but for right now I wouldn't classify it as STEM. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. Um, so I guess the last question for segment two is: What challenges or advantages have you experienced during your time in college? I think that especially you know when you're from Watts and you just hear all the statistics. And then, like, you go off and then you still have to deal with the statistics of, you know, just being able to graduate with a bachelor's. I think, you know, it's especially challenging because, you know, you hear about it and you're like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, we all know it's supposed to be hard. (laughs) And then I got to college and it was really hard. So there was like and then, you know, I always felt the pressure of like at the end of the day, it's like I'm the I'm first gen high school and I'm also first gen first gen college. And I guess my, like, all my siblings really stopped going to school and I'm the only one really, you know, going for it. So I think especially in that environment where it's like, you know, is it really worth it? Or even just like, I know that my roommate, I had like a huge culture shock. Like my, like I've had to, I'm not financially uh, dependent on my family. So, you know, everything that has taken me going to college, rent, you know whatever I have left over tuition books and like all that is everything I pay for myself and so you know sometimes I'm like especially since I did go to a school that's so far sometimes I'm like can I even go afford to go home during winter break or spring break while I have like my roommates and these kids who are like where their parents buy their car pay their rent pay their bills even bring them groceries and even like just show up just to fill up their gas tank it's just like it's especially challenging like you know trying to, you know, navigate, you know, the academic academic institutions as someone, you know, who doesn't have that support and, you know, is just self-reliant. So I think that's definitely one of my biggest challenges that I'm experiencing in college. Uh, for me, the biggest challenge is my brother already graduated college. So I was, I was, at first I was like, why do I need to continue going to college? My brother already did it. He did it for my family. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm doing it for myself now. But now that I see how difficult it is, I'm actually, I'm going to do it for myself. And I want to get my bachelor's degree. But like Kathy said, you see all these parents buying them stuff for their kids. And then I'm here working a full-time job and then going to school at the same time, trying to pay for my things as well. So most of the time I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to work. And then when I get home, I'm too tired at homework. So that's the most challenging part. Like you're working your butt off to pay for college. Like you forget you have to do the schoolwork as well. So that's the most challenging part of going and being part of college. Yeah. So the hustle never stops, right? Yeah. Uh, now passing on to my co-host Damian. All right, we're getting into segment three now, and. Going up onto the topic, how how under underrated people could be in different in different um, aspects of environments. How was growing up in Watts for you guys like? So 
I moved to Watts when, like, in fourth grade, so I must have been, like, nine or ten around there, but, like, I was originally from, like, I was, I, I lived, like, in a small, like, town called, like, Little Rock. It's, like, near Lancaster, and I remember I came, and it just took me so off guard, because, like, back in Little Rock, I was, like, the only, like, just, Mex- like, the, the only brown kid, really, so I think just being in, like, that type of scenario, and then, like, going all the way to Watts, where it's, like, I'm just surrounded by people who look like me, was definitely different, and I know, like, growing up, there, you know, there's, like, the pressure of, you know, trying to be, you know, successful for, you know, your family, I think when you grow up, like, people like us, they don't get to, you know, just make their career for themselves, like, you're going to college because you're your family's retirement plan, you know, so I think it's, it's, it's always, I always grew up with that type of mindset. And, you know, I just remember growing up in Watts and, like, my teachers, since elementary, I've had teachers, you know, always trying to, you know, convince my mom to, like, transfer me to a private school or, you know, try to, like, get me to go to a school in at least a better neighborhood. And I remember, like, I would just always be surrounded by teachers like that in, like, elementary and middle school because, you know, my stat scores were really high. And I think, but then, like, I remember, like, although I was, you know, very doing very good academically, I didn't really have an interest in school. I almost dropped out two times in high school. I just kind of stopped showing up. And, like, after a month, like, I would just, like, show up randomly. I guess at that point, it's like, is school really worth it? Like, if, you know, personally, I saw my family, you know, I, I have a single mother and then I have three brothers. So, you know, she's trying to support all these kids. But at the same time, I'm seeing, like, my grandpa and my grandma, you know, just over there, you know, just working in the sun all the time. So it's like, at this point, you know, was it even worth it for me to go through with high school? Because when your family is in that type of situation, it's like, you know, the thing that seems most reasonable is, you know, to just start getting a job and working. So, you know, that's what I did at some point. I was working nights at some point in high school and just going to high school. But I mean, I still graduated. But I think that's what it's like growing up in Watts. It's like, there's always like a conflict of interest. Like you want to live for yourself and you want to, you know, be be able to provide for yourself you want to go to college without having to worry about having like to send money back home but like you know unfortunately that's not always the case so I think yeah I think that was my experience growing up in Watts always conflicted between what I wanted what was best and what my family needed uh for me when I I work at a hospital so when I tell people or doctors or nurses I'm and they ask me where are you from they say from and I say from Watts they give me a confused look because they don't know where that's at. Most of the doctors are go go to a good college. I see that they were like the UCLA, Dartmouth, Dartmouth, uh, like very good schools. And then I I mentioned from Moaz, they don't know where that's at. And growing up there, I'm so used to everybody saying that they're from Moaz, and I like I know where that's at. And then going to Cal State LA, I say I'm from Moaz. Some people do know where that's at, and other people don't. My roommate. I told her I'm from Moss. She said, oh, you're from there. And she, like, wasn't really, because she grew up in Pasadena. And I grew up right here my entire life. And I was like, what? And she was like, what's it like? I'm like, it's like home. I'm used to it. And there's not, like, there's not much. But if she were to go come here, she wouldn't be used to it at all. She'd be, like, she'd be so shocked to see, like, what's around and then how nice Pasadena is. So growing up here is, like, I'm used to it, but other people wouldn't be used to it. So I guess it's not difficult, but it's, it will be difficult for some people, but it wouldn't be difficult for me since I've been going here my entire life. 
Yeah, and it's having that. It's having that. Um, how do I say this? It's having that privilege. It's somewhat of privilege to have or obtain a nice and generally a nice landscape or a nice um, background you're from. I'm from South Central, and a few a few weeks ago, or like actually a month ago, mm-hmm. I went up towards Washington to go visit my family, and you could notice a huge difference in houses, how clean the area is, how non-aggressive everything is in different parts of the world, in different states, in different aspects, and it it's I I I, I agree with you guys. It is somewhat challenging for others if you've never been in that type of aspect before and it could be like it could be an entirely new experience to others as well mm-hmm. and with that in mind katarina i f- believe you said you were a first generation am i correct yeah i am with that having that labeled on you as a first generation and the mindset where college if you follow in your parents' footsteps, you want to break that cycle. You want to impress your family. You want to fin- be financially stable and be as, as well help your family. It's, it's, for people, it's common sense, right? And I want to ask you, what does going to college and fulfilling that goal really mean to you? Mm. You know, surprisingly enough, my family wasn't necessarily supportive of me going to college. Like, I remember as soon as, like, I turned 13, my grandpa was like, you know, you should, like, drop out and start working. Or it's, like, not necessarily being able to have that support. And, you know, especially since, you know, my parents didn't even graduate high school. My mom's, like, my mom's thing was, like, you know, graduate high school. You know, that's the least I'm asking of you. You know, college or whatever, that's up to you. You know, it's either college or, like, start working. So I think, I don't know, I think especially since I almost didn't make it through high school. I think college was just kind of an opportunity for me to, you know, I think it was it was an opportunity for me to just like move out. If I'm being honest, I feel like I feel like my family is very conservative, and especially being in that type of like environment, I just kind of needed a new environment. So it just kind of made sense to me because college was just like one of the most stable ways of moving out. And at the same time, you know, I didn't necessarily like school, but I knew I was good at it. So, so, you know, that's what I went on. And, you know, I went in knowing that, like, I think I went in knowing that, you know, everything, like, from here on out, from going to college, you know, that's all going to be on me. Affording my flights back home, you know, buying groceries, buying food, doing all this. Like, college is just, like, was just going to be, like, something that is is just for me. You know, I'm paying for it. I'm working hard for it. And I think just, I think college just kind of means, like, I guess breaking generational trauma because I, you know, I kind of think about some people think about how my grandpa reacts and they're like so shocked and they're like, Oh my God, your family's like, sounds crazy. But at the same time, I think about my grandpa who had to like drop out in third grade and, you know, come to the U S and just like try to like start working, you know, breaking his back every day out in the sun. He's in his sixties and he's still out, you know, working full time. And it's like, what like, regular Americans are able to, you know, retire at that time. Or I think about, you know, my mom who like never had the opportunity to even graduate high school and, you know, just trying to be like financially supportive of of me and my siblings. Just like being in that environment is just like you kind of be like you kind of expect them to. And you know, all the people who are necessarily supportive 
are like the people who brag the most. Like I asked my grandpa to pick me up from the airport one time I came home and he was just so happy to pick me up and he like got off to take a picture with me at the airport. And like, we just went off and like we bought some Toms and like, he was just like telling the cashier that he just picked me up from college and you know, he's bragging to me to all his friends. So I think it's, I think college is just, you know, being able to do something and like acknowledging that it is a privilege that you know I'm able to afford college and just breaking that generational cycle in my family of, you know, you know, just kind of opening new windows for whoever passes passes on after me. Okay. Well thank you for that. And do you guys see any diversity in the type of field you're currently studying in? Like different ethnicities, backgrounds. Um, yeah, in general, like, do you guys see different types of of, of races? Um, I go to a PWI, so I guess you know my classes are just majority white people. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I can say. But it's like that for like everyone in my school. So there's not really much we can say. But I don't know, Erica, you want to add on to that? Uh, for me, uh, it's very way more diverse than Kathy's school. My school is basically in East Los Angeles, so we have a little bit of everything. So I see a lot more diversity all around campus and especially in my major. Yeah, and with that, like you see different, you see like a a specific group of people in in a in a in a school or in a place or anywhere essentially. And some people would have a mindset of you'd feel out of place from that if if you're not from your if you're not from them or you're not you don't like essentially associate with them so just imagine you're on a bus and you just see a minority of 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 different ethnics or different races or different backgrounds and generally people have the mindset of that specific race or background or like person of of color or identity and they it's it's also a stereotype too stereotype and that mindset is what affects others of like having like of their own thoughts or they drown in their own opinions of of what they think about this or what they think about that so knowing that Katarina's school is majority white right yeah how would you feel if like well essentially how would you feel about that it makes you it makes you think that not much other individuals could have different chances of getting into the school rather than that minority right um, yeah, I guess to a certain extent, um, I think, you know, especially before joining Kalamazoo, you know, they always talk about the diversity and then like when you're actually at Kalamazoo, I, uh, I was talking with like the intercultural center and all these people and there's like this, there, there's like this concept that Kalamazoo college, um, you know, pr- uh, advertises to white liberals so, you know, it's it's like, it's white liberals who, like, want to go to a school that's diverse. They're like, oh, yeah, let me go to that school. You know, there's a lot of people from different races. I want all those different opinions. So it's like, you know, it, it's targeted towards those type of people. But then, like, the, you know, the, like, the people of color come and, like, they don't realize. And then they're like, they everyone feels so out of place. And then it's like. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we'll be talking about how diverse it is. And then we go and then, you know, you at the end of the day, you just have to realize, oh, you are the diversity. So, you know, you're always second guessing yourself or like sometimes like, did I get the scholarship because, you know, I'm actually good or just because I'm some I'm some brown girl from Watts. So it's like always trying to second guess yourself and just like 
trying to, you know, remind yourself that you're there for a reason. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, what would you guys say to the many individuals that are planning to join or follow the STEM path career? Um, personally, I think I think a great thing, even though, you know, my school is very, very much dominated, I think a great thing about being there is just, like, being that there's, like, like, you know, the POC there are always looking out for each other. So I guess one of my friends I know, he, like, he literally started a, a group, like, supporting us like uh marginalized communities in stem so you know women and you know especially poc and like and then he, he literally started a whole network so it's like a club that you go to and if like you need help in math you'll find like an upperclassman who's majoring in math and you'll help each other out so i think i guess just trying to remind yourself that if you are trying to go into the stem pathway as a marginalized community just like remember that there are other people out there who want you to succeed and you know make sure to take advantage of those resources yeah. What about you, Erica? For me, I would say find your group of people that you know is going to help you achieve your goals as well as you want to help them achieve their goals and, like, grow with each other. Like, if you're joining a STEM field, find your people, help each other out, and keep going no matter what. You'll eventually get there. It doesn't matter how long it's going to take, but you will get there eventually. And with that question, this marks the end of today's podcast. We would like to thank our two special individuals, Katarina and Erica, for coming out of their day to listen to our and to make this podcast possible. And speaking of podcasts, make sure to follow at TerraWatts6904 for more information about our upcoming events. And special sponsors to college track Raytheon and I am Angel and once again I am Damien and this is my partner Zuhaydi and this was Resilient Leaders of STEM and on that final note we will see you in our next episode